0: Hello and welcome to Python Bytes, where we deliver Python news and headlines directly to your earbud. This is episode 272, recorded February 23rd, 2022. I'm Michael Kennedy. And I'm Brian Akin. And I'm Calvin hendricks Parker. Hey Calvin, so good to have you here. I'm excited to be uh, back. For, yeah, it's great to have you back. I also want to say this episode is brought to you by Fusion Auth, a new sponsor. Thank you so much to them for supporting the show. Check them out at pythonbytes.fm slash fusion auth. More on that later. Calvin, it's been a while since you've been here, but you're a frequent guest. How about just tell quickly people about yourself?
1: Uh, Sure. I've been a almost, I guess, nearly lifelong Pythonista at this point, Uh, going back a long ways, but started a company back in 1999 called Six Feet Up, where I am the CTO and co-founder. And we are all things Python and all things cloud. So we're doing some cool stuff there. I've been very involved in some open source projects uh, like the Plone Foundation for the Plone CMS. Uh, We're very involved in Django as well. Um, sponsoring the Django
0: Software Foundation. So super excited to be involved in open source and all things Python. Right on. So if I was a company, or person said, I need a Python app, I need some help with it, or maybe someone to even build it, I might reach out to you all and you might build it for me? Yeah. No, we'd love to talk about those kinds of opportunities. <laughs> uh, the
1: harder and more challenging, the better.
0: Yeah. Th- those are the fun ones.
1: Yeah. I agree.
0: <laughs> I completely agree. <laughs> I like easy. <laughs> all right. Well, I think uh, this one you got here in this the first one brian maybe not so easy that's so what's easy. up with your mocking why is it not working <laughs> well your mocks so this
2: is a great um actually this is a rabbit hole but uh mo- well mocks are a rabbit hole so um ned batchelder uh great guy wrote he writes a lot of great stuff um the, uh, also maintains coverage but uh he's he wrote an article called why your mocks still don't work <laughs> which <laughs> which is a reference to an earlier article he wrote um called uh, why your mock doesn't work and he wrote that in 2019 um so I, if you haven't read this first so i'm going to go back and recommend both of these so why your mocks don't work or why your mo- why your mock doesn't work is an excellent article it starts um it starts talking about just like what well to think about how mocks work you really have to understand python namespaces and names and how imports work and all of that stuff and it Maybe you don't think you should have to, but you kind
0: of do. So, uh, And imports, uh, those are not entirely obvious. <laughs> like the way that that happens no. compared to other languages, right? Where you just say, I'm using this library. There's like, it's it's way more direct. So, so Ned starts off with like
2: this really great example of just basically two variables, X and Y pointing to a number. And if you assign into each other... But you don't really point at another variable. You point at the thing that the variable is pointing to if you assign x to y or y to x or something. And this hat this does have to do with importing because uh, the names that you import are just kind of variable names that point to something. So he talks about uh, namespaces and and where where things point to. talks about importing and the difference be mostly the difference between from from foo import thing instead of uh import foo and reference it as foo thing those are completely different um names within within your python application so talk walks through that talks about it and why so if you've got uh, a value from uh, one module pointing to an original value and then another one uh pointing to the same thing if you mock the wrong place you're not going to get what you think is right so um, basically, and this is terrible to discuss over a <laughs> podcast. Um, uh, so I recommend looking at this because it's a really great example of, um, how mocks work and, and why, why they act the way they do. And you'll, you'll be able to fix a lot of your problems. So this is a good recommendation, but the one that we're trying to talk about right now, why your mock still doesn't work has to do with this cool decorator thing that mock, I don't remember when, uh, unit test mock added this. But there's a patch decorator. Actually, I'm going to link to the uh, show notes somewhere. We talk about the patch decorator, and it's it's pretty neat. Actually, I'm jumping all around. Sorry. But um, if you just say, like, patch something, what happens on your test? Like, in this example, he's got two. You got uh, patch cool feature dot expensive preparation and patch cool feature dot logger. And you're not patching it with anything with this decorator. What happens is you you get these like other variables that you can add as parameters, mock prep and mock logger that you can use those to change it. You can change the behavior, the, you can use asserts on it. You can change the um, return values on these through that. It's a, just a, this is a way to get a handle into your mock object. It's pretty cool. Um And but the trick is they have to be in the right order. And this example looks like it's fine, but you've got logger at the bottom decorator, which is really the first and prep as the
0: above decorator. And it's the, it's the first one, Brian, it says the first ish. line says this prep one, the second one says logger. Yeah,
2: but that's not the way it happens. So the, <laughs> the catch here and the punchline is uh, it goes, bot when you're reading decorators, it goes bottom up. Um and uh, left to right, on like the onions. Parameters,
0: <laughs> sure. Right, so, like there's layers around your code, and like the inner layers, the first one it sees,
2: the second. So if you the way he has it originally written, it just fails; it doesn't work. Um, the second punchline is unless you've got a real good reason to use um autospec, because autospec would have caught this problem like right away. And um, what autospec does is it says the thing that you're mocking you have to call it with the same interface that the thing had in the first place. Um, and uh, so if you've got a, a class or, or a module that has a function in it, you can't call other functions. Whereas normal mocks, you can call whatever you want. Uh, so the default is free for all. What you really should do is spec equals true. And really a lot of people, me included, Wish that that was the default to begin with. But for historical
0: reasons, it can't be because it would break other stuff. But anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, if it's not the default to start with, if you put that in to say now only behave as if you are the thing that, I, that you're pretending to be, that's going to crash a ton of stuff.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. And then the third and final punchline is uh just don't use mocks <laughs> <laughs> uh, um he even he mentions
0: it in both articles uh avoid avoid using mocks if you can so absolutely felix out in the audience says tiny feature with a lot of power this auto spec yes very much like yoda would put it i love it all right what do we got next calvin thoughts on on mocking real quick before we move on uh, i'm we are just diving into that, and I don't do a lot of the, the
1: test work myself. So I'm sure Brian is the super expert on all things PyTest, of course. So I don't have a huge opinion here uh, on yeah. specific mocking, although I think I, it is important for folks to realize that, yeah, decorators go from like that closest to the function out. It was an important uh, call out there.
0: Yeah. yeah. The other one was from thing import something, and then you patch the thing inside there. It's kind of that. That I actually, that was news to me. That's very interesting. All right, also news to me. Please, please tell me about this, Chris May. Thank you, Chris May, for sending this over. And wow, uh, I don't know if you've heard about Please, folks, PLS as an LS replacement for Linux and Mac OS, but wow, this thing is cool. Um, was this, had either of you heard about this? Not until today. And I went and installed it as part of my demo so I could see it because it looks
1: pretty darn awesome.
0: So this is an LS replacement. And I know there are other LS replacements that already exist. So you can do more things but this is a developer focused one written in python that's pretty darn awesome so if you go look at the image i linked to or just go check out the site you can see that if you say so i've alias ls to pls and if i just say ls it shows you the contents of your directory folders on top and then it has icons for the types of files that they are so I did an LS. There's a git ignore. So it has a git branch icon. There's a license with the law. <laughs> There's a markdown file. There's a Python file, the Python logo, but it goes beyond that. Like it understands your git ignore. And the files that are considered hidden are the git ignored ones as well. And it won't show you, even if you do like a hidden file listing, it won't show you things like the dots underscore store on um macOS, because that's in the git ignore. So uh, the structure that it gives you is related to that. Also, for Python, if you have a virtual environment, it'll treat that directory as hidden. And because it's, the directory is hidden, like it's, it's sort of suppressed in its visibility. So there's really cool features around this that have to do with uh, basically saying, all right, you're a developer, you're listing files that are probably developer like. <laughs> so now what? Now what do we do? Uh, so another part that's cool is you can do an please. Dash dash details, which I alias to L because that's the LS like equivalent. And in this world, it shows you the same types of things, but it also shows you um the size in the human terms. So instead of like one zero one one two one one seven one 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 two, it would say that's ten point two gigabytes, which is nice, but it also shows you the git status in the listing. So like it has a dash M next to a file I modified and so on. What do you all think of this?
2: I think it's excellent. The I tried to use it and failed, and you helped helped me understand why. Because you, it has. Yes. You have to have fonts it's like some special fonts installed,
0: right? So one of the questions when I posted this tweet was, "People were like, how does it have custom icons? What magic is this? Because this will work over, like, if I SSH into somewhere and install, please, on the server." As long as my local terminal is set up correctly, this will work. And they're like, how does this work? Well, the way it works is you have to have your terminal font set to a nerd font. So I've talked about nerd fonts before, but all these nerd fonts have all these special icons in them. And long as your active terminal font is one of the nerd fonts, then you get all these cool behaviors. If you don't, you get squares, which are less than awesome. (laughs)
1: My my only complaint with it is that I wish it would have emulated more of the flags from standard LS so that it just kind of work alight. I, I, I installed it. Yeah. And the first thing I did was like, please dash AL. And yeah. I got like a no no L flag. We don't know what that is. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know what that
0: was. Hmm. But- yeah. It's kind of its own thing. That's why I did the alias on it. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll just, I'll do do these things. Uh, another thing that's interesting, it has a, you can set up these, uh, these YAML configuration files that control how it looks. And then you can put those kind of like Node.js does with Node modules. Like you can put it at different, or the project.json, you can put it at different levels. And if you go into a certain project that you've had of a configuration file in there somewhere, it'll pick up that configuration and then use that to like customize how it looks for those. So that's kind of an interesting thing as well. Um, so That is awesome. Anyway.
1: I mean, we need more, yeah. we need more like, fun stuff in our terminals as developers. I I, I totally love this. Uh, this is absolutely
0: the way to get people hooked on using the terminal in the console. Yes. And you know, I was thinking about like server management, which uh, we'll get to later, right, Calvin? Yeah, yeah. But if you want to go into the server, and so I'm going to SSH in and do a thing, like this is your entire user interface yeah. to that it's your world. And so, yeah, yeah, this is your world. So this is a way to bring like a little bit more UI information rather than just raw Mm -hmm. white text listing a files. I I feel like there's like actually a lot of value in this. Oh, totally. Awesome. Let's see a Dean out in the audience and former. guest. (laughs) I thought my life was complete until today. I didn't know this was missing from my life, but it is. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Please. More terminal stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, speaking of more terminal stuff. Yeah. Speaking of more terminal stuff. Yeah. Take
1: it away. All right. Uh, so we, over at Six Feet Up, have been very focused on the developer experience. And so once a week, we get together and talk about uh, just, we can do a called code review, but really it's more of a show and tell. And this is something I showed off uh, last week at our code and review and show and tell, which is a terminal that is GPU based and written in Python. Uh, it's called Kitty. If you've not used it, it actually is a super awesome, super fast. Um, basically i don't know, i found it to just be a super smooth experience and the reason i had revisited it was i'd been using tmux forever and before that i was using screen and i wanted to like just have the ultimate power tools available to me as a as a developer and as a, like my primary mode of operation is basically hanging out in the shell or an editor all day long so i want the best tools possible so i'd highly recommend folks check out kitty uh, it is absolutely tuned for performance. And you may ask, well, why the heck would I want a GPU-enabled terminal? It's just showing me text. Uh, it's because I want the most performance possible out of my my system uh, when I'm using it. And so I actually was going to give a quick little demo uh, here of Kitty, yeah, uh, this is actually using PLS,
0: and i yeah, I see it. Yeah, Fantastic. I have, I have the and, right. And uh, what is oh my? Is this oh my posh also? What do you got for the? Oh, for the the, the bullet train down there. So it's actually yeah, bullet train
1: core. Uh, it's not maintained anymore. That's probably my next my next venture is going to be replacing s- that line with starship some new, or something some, like yeah, that. Some, yeah, so exactly some new you know system for showing my awesome like prompt up there. But yeah, if you get the right. Uh, fonts installed and all that kitty supports all that stuff seamlessly it's very very fast and one really cool thing since we're all like pythonistas and people who are listening to this would totally relate you can extend kitty with kittens that are basically python plugins for (laughs) kitty Uh, so if if you actually i'll I'll give you a quick example so if i run kitty I it is. I love but I love kind it. of love it actually. So the, you just <laughs> you invoke Kitty with the the kitten flag and say like what kitten you wanna use. In this case I'm gonna use iCat. I'm gonna just basically echo out a Slack emoji that we use for Python. Oops. Uh oh. Oh no. Is this is like gonna be like
0: the uh total like demo guys not, not being very kind to me now. I love that your uh <laughs> your prompt has the Python version and and stuff in there. That's great.
1: Oh yeah. If you're in a specific like pyenv uh, area, it, it definitely shows up. Let me just, let me just like try it here. I python. Oh, there we go. So I must have just been in the wrong directory, but so you can actually show graphics on the screen. So if I want to look at an image real quick, I don't need to go to finder and open up preview and, and like do a quick look on an image. I can actually like, you know, quick look on any image I want. And now, one of the things I did want to show off, if I go back to the director
0: I was. For at, people oh. who are listening, this looks like a full high res image. Yeah. In the terminal. Yeah. It's yeah. so, based on a PNG. So I
1: used icat, which is a kitten, to display an image directly in the terminal. And now, if I wanted to do show even something cooler, because one of the features of kitty is it's basically got a graphic subsystem in here. And if I wanted to like look at my markdown files, normally if I, if I'd use bat to look at my markdown, like for like the readme that's in here, yeah, you, know, you get the kind of content highlighted markdown. Kind of cool, not you know not super great, but if I do MDcat, which is Kitty enabled, it actually leverages the Kitty uh, subsystem here. <laughs> I can actually review my markdown file with images uh, in line. So you can see that the Xkcd cartoon mm. is actually embedded wow. into the readme of that document and it does a little better job of like coloring and highlighting the syntax. So if you want to preview markdown documents without again not going to preview or not going to like rendering it to HTML and viewing it in your browser, you can actually view it right in your um, terminal with the the images shown in line, which is super awesome. And one last thing, uh, one more trick I'll show you: there is a kitty kitten for viewing diffs in a rich tool. So if I do git uh, diff tool, I've configured with my you know dot git config to configure an alternate diff tool for diff, and now I get this really beautiful you know high res graphic representation of my diff mm-hmm. of my files. So. Really kind of pretty. You can see there's two two diffs, two different files. I can page through the different files, and it shows me you know side by side you know diffs. Is that still in the terminal? That is still in terminal. I did not leave wow. my terminal.
0: It looks like a new window.
1: It did. It looked like a new window, but it's actually it's all in terminal. So you can stay in your terminal, stay at your keyboard, and, and all the all the uh, uh, shortcuts are super nice. One last
2: thing. Uh, oh, that, you, the the diff just sold me, so. Yeah, yeah. It, it, <laughs>
1: and you can split your windows, obviously, like, you know, other kinds of, of terminal uh, emulators, like if you're using Tmux, but then it's got all the layouts built in. So if I wanted, like, horizontal or oh, vertical nice. or a grid, or if I wanted to, like, just get to the current one I'm on, uh, you've got all that available to you with nice shortcut keys. And you can just, I, I got rid of Tmux and started just going all in on kitty only. Okay, I got a question. So yeah. I've
2: always been confused about this whole windowing thing because I just open another terminal. Um, so oh, oh I see what your question is.
1: I, I don't want to open another terminal. I, I don't want to reach for my mouse when I have to like go between terminal windows. So I'd rather have like multiple tabs and then have splits, and so I can have like a paging going on in one window or another window. I can like you oh, know okay. then edit these things, make them like shorter or, or taller or split them in a different way. So I feel like just keeping my hands on the keyboard keeps me more productive as as a developer as opposed to you know reaching over for the mouse. Mm-hmm. I know it's not that far away, but I feel like it breaks that flow. If you're you're typing away at code and you want to like quickly like open up a tail for a log in like a, a same window right below where you're running the process, you're yeah. just you know a couple keystrokes away and
0: you've got that open and going. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So I know we're not to the joke section yet, but you know the <laughs> joke about how do you generate a random string, put a new computer <laughs> science student inside uh, vim VM and ask them to exit. Yep. So I think the new version is put four of them in these different panes controlled here <laughs> and ask them to exit the top right one.
1: Oh, here, I, I'll <laughs> do that right now.
0: An <laughs> even more random number or word. There we go. Boom. Did it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm going to try Kitty. This looks great. It's super right.
1: configurable. It supports all the nerd fonts, uh, all the color schemes. I've got, a, you know, just got there's a bunch of cool plugins for it. I've got a search plugin, which searches through your, back through your terminal. And so if I was, uh, there's nothing in that specific one, but if I searched through here and wanted to search backward, it uses FCF to do searching backwards. So if I was looking for like LS, you see it highlighted the word LS or 2020. And then if I had multiple ones and I could just arrow back up between them. Nice.
0: So it's all built Fantastic. in. Yeah, yeah, no, really cool. Also really cool is our new sponsor, Fusion Auth. Thank you, them, for sponsoring this episode. So let me just tell you really quickly about them. They're an authentication and authorization platform built for devs, by devs. It solves the problems of building essential user security without adding the risk and distraction from your main app. Fusion Auth, ha- Fusion Auth has all the features you need to uh, for great support at a price that won't break the bank. And you could either do self-hosting or you can get a fully managed solution running in any AWS region. So if you've got a side project that needs a custom login registration or multi-factor authentication, social logins, or user management, you can download FusionAuth and get the community edition for free. And the best part is you can have unlimited users and there's no credit card or subscription required for that. So check them out at pythonbytes.fm slash FusionAuth or just click the link in your podcast player show notes. and uh, let them know you came from us. I want that T shirt. That's cool. I know. Yeah, you got uh get a cool t shirt, uh cat slash etc. slash pow, password. Uh <laughs> D. Yeah. Very cool. Nice. Uh I, I love when you get a, a cool t shirt from our sponsors. Mm. All right. Well, Susan doesn't like cats. I know. Yeah. And kitties. And kitties. <laughs> I mean, and kitties. I can tell that you're already a fan of kitties. Um well, so uh
2: I, I don't know if uh kitty is parallelized, but um uh, yeah, so I want to talk about parallels and parallelization. <laughs> say that three times. Um, anyway, uh, I found this article uh, by uh, Jamie Welta. Cool last name, actually. Uh, but uh-huh. it's called Futures and Easy Parallelization. And um, I was like, you know, it was a pretty short article. Uh-huh. And I was like, it can't be that easy. Uh, but so this isn't talking about um, uh, AIO stuff um, or async IO. It's uh, it's talking about uh, this one is talking about thread fu- futures with threads. And this is it's a it's pretty cool. The idea is you've got just maybe you've got and it starts off with a simple example. I just have some work that I want done and I want it done on, a, on different threads or different processors. So um, uh, this this example uh, brings up a thread pool, a thread pool executor, and then runs them all at the same time. Uh, does an executor submit? And it's just a small snippet of code, just a handful of lines. And then I tried this out. So this example actually uh, is kind of boring. It's just doing um like a power x to the power of two, um or x squared on on a couple of things. I think that's what Star star is, isn't it? Is that power of uh I don't yeah. remember. Yeah. Um x to the
0: power of two x yeah x squared
2: x squared. So um the the other example seems a bit a bit more. Uh, uh, down to earth and that's and yes on our screen on the on the youtube screen is just uh it's the entire program here uh, it's just you're taking a few a few websites and a couple pages to go to and um and then actually just slurping those down with requests and grabbing something about them and this example just uh has the result whether it's a 200 or something like that but it's a really short example, and you've got parallelization going on. And I played with this, just downloaded it. The only, uh, we'll have it in our show notes, the only error on this that I had to do is, it's using um, it's using time in here as just like a debug thing, and, and the example doesn't import time. So you have to add, add that import time. And it runs just fine like this. And this is a pretty quick way to add parallelization for some quick task. So I kind of like it. There's occasionally, especially like, I would do it. Uh, there's a lot of huge log files I have to parse, or or big data files that I'm looking for stuff on, or grabbing a, lo- grabbing error logs off of different systems. And this would be a great example to just grab grab them all at the same time and pull them in. So
0: yeah, yeah, this is nice. You know, one thing that's cool about the um, the futures you get back from the thread pool executor is you can say dot result. And it blocks, whereas on async i o it throws an exception and says it's not done rather than just blocking
2: oh yeah, yeah and that's so. the article kind of talks about that it's one of the simplest things is you you tell the executors you call executor submit and that gets the jobs ready, but that doesn't block those are you can you can uh submit as many as you want and then in the example he's just using fut like future dot result uh in a uh in a, in a list comprehension. And that for each of those result, that'll block until the next one's done. And, you know, this one's doing it in an order of which one you submitted it. That might not be the order they finish in, but you don't really care because you just want to wait till they're all done anyway. So yeah, exactly. If going.
0: if you block on the first one, and it's not done. The second one might finish first, but both no, will be done by the time you get to them.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And this is a lot more natural for folks who may not be used to like async IO too. Oh,
2: I've been deep in the async IO world. <laughs>
0: Well, last, so last it all feels week. natural here, oh and that's that's well. <laughs> and I have scars now. Let me tell you.
2: <laughs> that's exactly why I wanted to bring up this article is because there's a lot of stuff. Well, like a like a maybe a DevOps person or something. Um, right. They're not they're not writing async programs, but they might have uh, async need or asynchronous needs that can be solved with a simple some simpler code. So
0: yeah, this yep. is very very elegant, easy to understand. Yeah nice article good one all right well i want to talk about databases and more tools i feel like this is just the tool f- yeah, it's like focused the tool, episode. tool episode it is it's tool time all right so i did an episode on talk python with emily morehouse glyph and hennick and hennick pointed out this thing called pg mustard have you heard of this no
2: have you Oh, well, uh, I just I not... listened to that excellent uh, episode and heard <laughs> well, about thank it you. There.
0: So now you know, but, uh, other than that, like I had not heard of it, but one of the challenges, so many websites, I just don't understand why the world works this way, but you go to the website and it just spins and spins. And the the clunkier, the more internal the thing looks, the more likely it is to take 10 seconds to do whatever it's doing. Right. But you know, it's doing some database query Probably without an index. Maybe they gave it an index, but the index is not being used because it's actually filtering first on some other random thing or whatever. So databases have this cool feature to say, given a query, explain how you're going to execute this. MongoDB has this, Postgres has this, and so on. Okay, so that's that comes out as text. (laughs) What if you could have a better way that gave you advice? And that's what this tool here is, which does cost money. Just to be clear, this is a commercial thing, but I thought it was cool enough that I wanted to point it out to people. So what you do is you give it your uh, basically um, a select statement and you ask it to explain it. And it will it'll break down the explain statement into different sections and tell you this part is really good. This part of of the query could be improved and so on. And then it gives you so like it'll it'll show you this beautiful visual way of explaining it and you can dive into it. And if you click on it, it'll tell you things like, okay, this is a nested loop. And on this part of the query, it took 152 milliseconds. You got 100 rows back. And then it actually describes the situation, why it's good or bad. So for example, it says you got five stars because you discarded 1.3 million rows. That makes it faster. But you only got 3.2 stars because uh, the row estimate was out by a factor of 42 you know, try to get that from text, right? This is this is super helpful if you've got a slow site that you want to say, okay, this page is slow. These are the three queries that run when we pull this page. Why are they slow? How can I make them better? So it's, you know, we talked about the regex 101 thing, how it like kind of guided you through and gave you recommendations. This is like the database equivalent. This is nice. This is awesome. I, I can't yeah. believe I've never seen this before. Well, I know, I have... I can't either. I'd never seen it either. Now, from
2: the from the interview, it sounded like it it would uh, recommend how you could change your query to make it better. Is that something it has in there? Or did I imagine I that? B-
0: I believe so. And I believe so. If you like ex- open up this 3.2 stars, I think it'll give you uh, descriptions about what could be better in there. So it can give you performance advice, including high index potentials or index efficiency. Disk operations. So, like, you've got to read too much off disk to answer this question. Poor cache performance, excessive heap fetches, read efficiencies, um, lossy bitmap scans, and on and on and on. Right. Oh. So, it's pretty cool. It runs on Postgres 9.6 or newer. I hope you're newer than that. 9.6. That's <laughs> that's pretty great. It supports yeah. that far back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it is a paid tool, but. Man, If you could, for $95, make your website 10 times faster and people have been complaining and complaining, you don't have to rewrite anything. You just put in like a slightly different hint or index or change the order of a query. Like that's that's worth a lot, I think.
2: I think I'm just going to try to learn this and then uh, set up a page to say I'm a database optimization consultant <laughs> and uh, just run this in the background and say. Yeah,
0: it, look, $500 <laughs> an hour. I will absolutely come in there. Yeah. And I have this new business proprietary set of tools that I've, I just, I can't talk about it, but you let me in there and magic's going to happen. I shouldn't (laughs) have said that out loud. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the the market will be swamped with these folks. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I thought this was cool. So I wanted to give it a shout out. Cool. Nice. That is super cool. Yeah. All right. Calvin, you got the last one. All right, last one up, uh,
1: continuing the tools parade. Uh, Another tool, this is also cross-platform. I didn't mention that before. One of the reasons I really like Kitty was the fact I can use it anywhere. Linux, BSD, Windows, Mac, uh, there are downloads for all those platforms. This one doesn't support Windows, but it does support Linux, Mac, and FreeBSD. It's BPytop. I used to be a long time user of Glances, and if you didn't know what Glances was, you were also missing out because Glances is an awesome way to see what's going on in your system, like what IO is being used, how much memory is being used, how much swap is being used. And BPytop is kind of the next generation of that. So I will show a quick little demo of this one as well. Uh, so for those of you who aren't familiar with Glances, this is what Glances looks like. <laughs> I got, sorry, a little uh, interruption there. But uh, while I'm live here on the podcast, this is Glances. It's kind of like more tech, very texty, Kind of old school looking, uh, but if you just pipx install, and that's how I typically install these kinds of tools. It will install. <laughs> sorry about that. It's all
0: good.
1: <laughs> yeah, pipx
0: if, is the pipx is the the homebrew. Oh man, it's Python amazing. things, uh, right? Yeah, that's, that's so how good.
1: you just pipx install BPY top and If you don't have um, pipx installed, you should install pipx because that'll get you access to all the stuff and your path all set up. But now I just use BPY Top and you get. This like nice colorized, you know, view of like a dashboard. With all really like uh, just laid out well. And then all all of the uh, you can kind of see on here. There's like um, characters that are shaded in a different color. If you you know hit those characters, you'll be able to like resort. Or if you see the little numbers, mm-hmm. I can hide and show the 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 CPU or the memory graph if I don't care about that
0: one so much. And so for people who are just listening, here's a terminal app that has like like task manager oh yeah or um activity monitor levels of sort of graphs going on of like here's the cpu over time here's the running processes sort of by cpu here's yeah. the the network i this is probably more useful than activity monitor honestly
1: oh i think it is i mean what's nice is you get that trending metrics over time mm. so you can see by cpu core or by like kind of aggregated cpu view how you know if you're seeing like spikes or and this is really useful if you're on a server and like something's periodically happening, you're not sure what, and you can kind of track down like either IO issues or CPU spikes, and you can kind of see if they're becoming very like periodic. Maybe they're happening every minute or every like five minutes, like on the dot and you're like, oh, that's weird. There's something like maybe it's this cron job. So it helps you track that, track those kinds of things down. You can also inspect the processes so you can arrow up and down and you can actually like hit return and see like, what CPU specifically or memory, like a specific process is. So you can like dig down into a specific process and see what core it's actually running on. It's just, again, for tracking down performance issues, I'm just using it locally on my own laptop right here, but I've used this numerous times. Every machine I log into for, you know, customers or production type stuff, if they're still using, you know, virtual machines, this is absolutely installed so that when they're like, oh, something's slow or something's doing weird, I, I just go fire these up and take a look real quick to get kind of a snapshot in mm-hmm. real time what's going
0: on. I've done that with glances. So, yeah, uh, that used to my uh, go-to. But I yeah. just found B-by-top yeah. was like the super-powered version of glances. Interesting. You've moved over. Yeah, the graphs that are way better. Yeah. Um, like you have progress bars or like meter bars that are graphical in glances if you make it wide enough, but they don't have it over time. They're just like snapshots.
1: And these are like beautiful gradient colors. Like I kind of just expanded the net one so you can see the traffic going across my uh, card. You can also switch back and forth between different interfaces on the system. So if you've got multiple network interfaces, you can see oh, nice. the, the aggregate or just for a specific interface. Yeah. Super helpful yeah, when it's... trying to track down, you know, weird, you know, in quotes, weird issues. <laughs> How's it run on Kitty? It runs great on Kitty. The performance is amazing. I, I, that's another thing I didn't show you. is like, you can actually see with the NVIDIA SMI tool, like there is Kitty using up 20 megabytes of my GPU
0: memory uh, on oh there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, that's pretty awesome. Uh, speaking of beautiful, Alvaro says BPytop has themes. Yes. They use the Darkula theme. Yeah, I love the fact that anything's, anything's got themes I can customize, like you know <laughs> Kitty
1: or... Even BPI top or my, my, whatever my IDE is, I just, I trick that stuff out. This is my environment. I want to be as comfortable and as productive mm-hmm. as possible. So
0: the more customizable, the better. And the more emojis, the better. Love emojis. Yes. <laughs> There's something to be said about it. if you sit down and you're like, I am excited. Look how cool this it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm using like an old version of Bash with nothing else installed. This is not as much fun as I envisioned it to be. Well, now, now the, ol- yeah. the
1: only issue is when you sit down with someone who's like, they fire up TextEdit to like edit some text. You're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, come, come on. Like, like hey, let me show you some cool tools. Like, let me get you up to speed on here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. TextEdit being the notepad equivalent if you're not a Mac person. Yeah. That's maybe it's a WordPad. You know, maybe it's a WordPad <laughs> level. Like that's probably where. It, which is worse? I think that's worse than Notepad because you're going to get weird, corrupted characters that you're not going to know. Yeah. Oh man. Uh,
2: one of the, especially with um uh, with working from home now, a lot of people um are are working with kids around that walk by, and you want your job to look awesome so that they're interested in what you're doing. Just saying. Yeah, I'm sure my kids think I'm a hacker.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, you're not. Awesome. Wait, you're not a
2: hacker.
1: Um, well hack on code, yes yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> the the original the original exactly meaning, the right? original meaning of that oh word gee, it's been, you know. yeah, Brian, time for some extras. I do have a big extra that I'm really excited Sweet. about,
2: yes, the book uh is um which I've been talking about for about eighteen months, and if you add that to the previous eighteen months, about three years of this podcast' I've been talking about this book, but um anyway, so it's there's no longer a beta flag on it. It's not in beta anymore. So it's, it's off to the printers. Um, and, uh, and then to celebrate it being officially released, um, it is, there's a coupon code that we'll link to this page in the show notes, but it's a coupon code. I don't know how long this is going to be good for, but this is for 40% off the ebook. So this is exciting. And, uh, I don't have a physical copy yet. I'm still waiting for (laughs) mine to get delivered. Hopefully, It'll be in the next couple of weeks. So, um, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's one of my extras. The other uh, extra I wanted to bring up is uh, PyCamp Spain is happening um, April fifteenth through the eighteenth, and man,
0: this looks fun. Um, it's like actual camping. Oh, I love the idea.
2: Well, like I I don't know if it's actual camping, but there's uh, um, admission includes. Uh, four days and three nights, including accommodations and breakfast, lunch, and dinner provided. This is uh, pretty amazing.
1: I know, so. Brian. I see karaoke on that list too. <laughs> karaoke talks, yes. board games, ping pong. Uh, this looks great. You
0: have to give your talk in song form. Yeah.
1: Oh man, no one, no <laughs> one would want to see me do that. No one, <laughs> <laughs> or
0: me either. So
1: <laughs> this looks great. That does look like a lot of fun. Fantastic. <laughs> Calvin, you got anything extra you want to throw out there? I do. Uh, coming up next month in just a little over a month is the Python Web Conference. Oh, I've got the, uh, let me pull up the slide you, for it.
0: You've got the screen. I if you do want it.
1: have the screen for it. I had even even pre-planned for this to be ready to roll. So it is Python Web Conference time. Uh, this is our got fourth, to get
0: speakers or what? fourth
1: annual event. Uh, we've got some amazing speakers uh, who are going to join us this year. So I'll actually bring that up because I'm really proud of this group. Uh, if you scroll down through here, there is just a amazing uh, bunch of people who have signed on for this amazing adventure with all of us uh, over here. So definitely check it out. It's going to be way bigger than it has been in previous years. So this is the fourth year we've run it. And I believe we've got 90 speakers this year. We're doing uh, f- five tracks across five days. So there's two app dev tracks, a culture track, a cloud track and a PI data track. Uh, so there is something for everybody. Uh, get your tickets now. It is gonna be a ton of fun. We will start you know, getting things cranked up a couple days beforehand. We're getting you know, the Slack channels all set up and, and people can start basically hanging out and uh, we're gonna have some cool socials. Uh, I know we've got one of our speakers is gonna give a mindfulness uh, social. So if you wanna come and learn how to decompress as a developer and she's gonna actually be one of our keynotes about burnout. Um, but she's going to, you know, give a practical example during one of the socials uh, that I'm super excited to try out. Nice, fantastic. Yeah, I see a bunch of the people
0: on the speaker list have been here on the show. Yeah, you yeah. should.
1: These <laughs> these should, should not be strangers to, uh, especially this guy right here. He's definitely yeah, not a stranger about to- that guy. He's shady. <laughs> definitely shady. <laughs>
2: well, I <laughs> was. Yeah. I'm noticing a lot of these speakers from either this uh, show or Talk Python or uh, Testing Code. They've been yep. a lot of people have been. Yeah. on one of a lot those. of friendly faces. Yeah. A lot of friendly faces on here.
1: Uh, and again, great, great group of people. They're all super excited to participate in the conference. They're all super excited to like hang out with everybody, and like just be a part.
2: Yeah, I like that you're putting uh, the social links up on the the page so that people can check that out instead of having to Google for them or something. Yeah, so. no, it's all about the people for me. I mean,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm I love being a community builder and and putting this together for folks. Yes. Oh, Look, there's another amazing speakers
2: in the in the audience right now. <laughs> Fantastic! Yeah, <laughs> that is awesome. Sure. Well, how about no, don't mean to cut you off, but I was just curious if Michael had any extras. You you know that I do.
0: All right, I got a couple. Let me let me tell you about this little app I I got, which I meant to do a little video so I could show you. I'm a huge fan of macOS and uh, I really enjoy working there. I love that, like, the terminal tools are like server stuff, but it's not, you know, you got all the nice little tools and whatnot. One of the things that I absolutely just don't understand is switching between windows is like nearly impossible if it's the same app if i got one web browser set of tabs and another i want to cycle between them like command tab the alt tab equivalent has no effect on that right like why is this so i found this cool app called witch that lets you do all sorts of stuff like uh map it like alt tab instead of command tab and it'll pull up it's very similar, but then it'll, you can even like switch between tabs within a browser. So I want to switch to Vivaldi, but onto this tab of that Vivaldi. So how, wherever it lives on what Vivaldi window, I don't care. I just want to go to that tab, stuff like that. Super, super cool. Just cycle between the last used window instead of the last used app. And there's just a, a, the customizability of it is insane. Like it's, it's truly a crazy. And what does it cost? It costs $14 once. So if, if, Uh, That frustrated you. Check that out. Uh, Number two is I did this video called Don't Use Loops. Or do you actually need loops in Python? It was really to say like some of the time you can use comprehensions of various types. That I already talked about. But in response to that, someone said, oh, I don't really think there's any difference between using a list comprehension and a for loop. They're the same. Like how could you even tell me that they're different? Well, one, import dis from, from dis and dis, like a, disassemble, and you'll see a big difference. But two, I put together an example that for 10 million times basically adds the numbers one to 10 million, uh, even numbers one to 10 million uh, to a list using a for loop and then using a list comprehension. And it is about 25% faster to do the list comprehension than the loop, which isn't going to change people's world probably, but it's, you know, something to consider. Yeah. So I, I'll link it to a very small gist there. Um, I just, uh, my, bad
2: piece of mine, if you're going to do a loop at the very least, don't do for I in length of something, um, that's C that's yes. not Python. So
0: yes, please. <laughs> or, or create a, a number, uh, count equal, you know, I equals zero while I less than this I plus plus on the inside. Right. Uh, like, yeah, th- there's a lot of bad variations. Yeah. Those are. Those are, I intentionally put things
2: like that in uh, interview questions to try to see if people are really Python programmers or if they're...
0: Yeah, you know, exactly. Python programmers. But anyway. And it might be fine that you're a C programmer coming into Python, but sometimes people will be dishonest with you during the interviews. Like, oh yes, I, I use Flask all the time. All right, how about you create a hello world view and run that? <laughs> um, I, I can't I can't do that. But okay, well, <laughs> then you probably don't use Flask all the time. You might use it sometimes. i not not eight hours a day like you told me. All right, um, another thing, another similar little gist thing is uh, I was working on using a database API that is async only, but I want to use it in the web app that is not async at all. How do you do that? All right, we talked about like the result and blocking and all how painful that is. So I came up with this little gist that was working great in production, uh, in dev. So this really simple thing, you can just wrap up, an async call and say, uh, run it. It internally manages a little loop and it calls run async. So you've got like a a database uh, async call. You can just say, um, you know, go to the the call and just say, run, whatever, get the thing async with the parameters, right? So it's not like a decorator. You just call it really simple. In practice, what I found trying to deploy this to a website was the database back end was doing weird stuff with like what thread it's running on. The web server, microwsgi was like shuffling around like the order of when stuff ran on different threads and it was freaking out the event loop. And you get all these errors about like, this thing has become detached from its its async IO loop or it came from one loop and is trying to continue on another <laughs> loop, just like, oh no, what is all this? So I ended up coming up with a massively crazier version that people can check out that basically coordinates all the work to a background thread, runs it all in the same place oh and then puts it back. <laughs> It works fabulously. It is horrifying. So you can take it for what it is. Anyway, <laughs> uh, all, as part of this conversation, I <laughs> mean, it works really well, but it looks really bad. Uh, Bill Jones, um, <laughs> so from court, I believe, sent over uh, a thing that said one of the problems with async IO is if it's already running and then you call a sync version, which internally happens to use the same pattern, it's going to crash and say it's already running. Weird. So there's this thing called nest io, uh, which allows you to basically have a reentrancy. So if you get the runtime error, this event loop is already running. Well, if it is, just run, you know, whatever. But that's the error you get. So this will allow you to basically re, like, continue on in the same loop. All right, those are all my extras. I thought those were all a little fun.
1: Nice. I can't believe uh, uh, combining threading and async io in the same little
0: sub module is brave. I did not get to that position willingly, (laughs) (laughs) not at all. Like, but everything I had tried, it didn't matter. And people say, oh, you should use async io.run. That manages it for you. Uh, Yeah, except for that it wasn't working in the weird web servers that are doing all sorts of threading tricks and just, (laughs) right. Like it was the only thing that worked. And so there it was. All right. That was not funny, but maybe I've got something funny for you. You ready for a joke? Yes, always. Okay, so um, this one is about mistakes that people make with uh, testing for truthiness versus assignment. (laughs) And so it's a cartoon and there's uh, these humans being ripped apart by robots. It says, oh no, the robots are killing us. And someone asks, why? But why? We never programmed to do this. And then there's uh, like a computer with some code on the screen. In the background, you see robots killing people. And it says, it has actually the code for the robot. It says, um, void, interact with humans. If is crazy robot equals true, kill humans, else be nice to humans.
2: <laughs> but it's an assignment, yeah. not an equality. It's a
0: single equals instead of a double equals. So <laughs> end of the world has come because You've just because assigned
2: of that. it to be a crazy killer robot. <laughs> crazy murdering Absolutely. robot.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, nice. Uh. Um, Anthony would save us from this cartoon apocalypse by saying this you know, remember your unit tests. Yeah, and beta testers. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we keep losing QA people? I just don't understand. <laughs> Where do they go? No. I don't know. <laughs>
2: yeah. so just ship it to beta. Yeah. Um
0: yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. What or could segment go wrong? your population, A B test this stuff. <laughs> uh anyway. No thanks. Nice.
0: But uh, thank you, Calvin, for coming on the show this time. It was totally fun. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Brian. Thank you. That was a good time. Yeah. Always. See you later. Yep. Bye, Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Python Bytes. Follow the show on Twitter via at Python Bytes. That's Python Bytes as in B-Y-T-E-S. Get the full show notes over at pythonbytes.fm. If you have a news item we should cover, just visit pythonbytes.fm and click submit in the nav bar. We're always on the lookout for sharing something cool. If you want to join us for the live recording, just visit the website and click live stream to get notified of when our next episode goes live. That's usually happening at noon Pacific on Wednesdays over at YouTube. On behalf of myself and Brian Aukin, this is Michael Kennedy. Thank you for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues.